0: Bottom mic, bada mic, bada bot
1: bottom Yoinkies pods. Jinkies, it's a podcast. Mm.
0: Everyone hop into the mystery pod.
1: Brooms, gonna solve some snacks
2: Damn. Freddie Pods Jr. Over By the here. way,
1: I'm casting myself as Scooby. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs>
2: hello and welcome
0: to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast. It's the big one where every week we talk old hannah Bar- Bar- Barbera Barbara li- live action remakes, films, movies, TV, music, and cartoons. A entertainment talk show where. You get a healthy dose of fun banter and intellectual analysis. I'm Ernest.
1: I am um, the uh, mystery judge of this competition, Hunter <laughs> Mobley. <laughs> it's not a mystery anymore. I, yeah. I said who I was. You
2: also, uh, since you are the judge, you do have the option of giving yourself the win. I
1: think I'm going to. Yeah, so you I'm just going <laughs> to be like. So Actually, know. my ideas that I'm just keeping it myself <laughs> are the best. Yeah.
2: Um, i'm drew deetson and i i came i didn't come here to win friends i came here to be america's next top model we are celebrating two years of we bought a
0: Mike this week mm-hmm. isn't that crazy two Man, years two years and it's to thing. celebrate we started as a
1: halt and catch fire podcast we will
2: always be a halt and catch fire podcast <laughs> Re- recasting halt and catch fire
1: i'm gonna have scoot McNary scoot as, playing every character. As every character i'm gonna have freddy crunch jr as scoot McNary. <laughs>
0: Scoot, you could put Scoot anywhere on this cast, and I mean, he Tarantino would knock it out the of the thing. heart. Uh, yeah, so to celebrate, we're bringing back Recast. This is our fourth one, but this is a special one, because usually we just play the role of casting director. But today we're playing the role of casting director, writer, producer, with a little plot pitch as well. But Hunter, you were too busy watching Scary stories to tell in the dark. Yeah, so and you were not. I
1: decided b- that prepped. you know what I'm kind of beyond the whole screenwriting thing. I'm going where the money is. I'm going to be an executive producer. I feel like I've heard that Weinstein Company has some troubles going on there, so I'm just going to go ahead and take over as Wait, the head of Weinstein. W- what what troubles? Uh, I I don't know. I <laughs> didn't look into it. Harvey um, is he not doing well? <laughs> Are you
2: going to keep the name Weinstein Company? <laughs> yeah, I'm just going
1: to keep that.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's prestigious.
1: The Weinstein
2: Mobley Company. <laughs> So it's gonna be me <laughs> v Drew,
0: um, a little mini wafam. Yeah, we, we do you fought have a, a, a
1: mic? I'm gonna I'm gonna write down notes. Oh,
2: okay, this I'm yeah, that's right. This. I'm not using my paper.
1: Phone. I'm, I have a napkin. Oh, okay.
2: I feel oh, like it's... there's paper in the house. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Um, we should say that this was going to be a three-way competition until late last night. One hundred realized he did not have a cast.
1: Um, actually, <laughs> I did have a cast, if you remember, but I was like, my cast is too good, oh. and I'm gonna save it for my actual pitch. That was
2: yeah, that was it. You yeah. didn't want to give it away. Yeah, there there are higher ups listening to this, and you don't want them to know.
1: I mean, they're already making a lot. I live got action. a little
0: uh, little notepad oh, for you. A little Perfect. that's adorable. So we bought a mic branded right. mini.
2: Had. Well, how are we going to decide who goes first? Well,
0: here? before we start, I just wanted to shout out the James Gunn written pair of live action Scooby Doo mm-hmm. films, which
1: set the fucking <laughs> standard for <laughs> casting. Hey, so you want to know part of my problem? Whenever I was originally coming up with the list for this, is that I thought Joss Whedon wrote those, so I kept st- I put James Gunn as my director and writer <laughs> of those yeah, he movies. Was,
2: okay. Yeah, he was. He was like, I got my director, James Gunn. <laughs> and I was like, I think he might have been involved yeah, with he,
0: the other. Yeah, he kind of broke. Broke into the mainstream with uh, Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Doo Monsters Unleashed. Yeah. And the cast was amazing. I mean, you got Freddie Prince Jr. as Fred. Great casting. You got fucking Sarah Michelle Geller, Buffy the
2: Vampire herself as mm-hmm. Daphne. The, I, I that's mean, that's
1: why I thought that it was a Joss Whedon project. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Uh,
2: Linda Cardellini was a great homo. Yeah, so good. But the piece de resistance... This was I mean, the hardest person easily to cast was Shaggy because Matthew Lillard, dude, Our Matthew guy. Lillard is the definitive Shaggy performance. I almost wanted to go like way drastically different, like not even a canonical Shaggy, just because competing with Lillard is almost impossible. Well, he was so good that they actually kept casting him in the
0: animated movies. Yeah, they were recently recast, though. Did you? Oh, that? man, he's too old. I guess he did Twin Peaks: The Return, and he was like, it "You know what? Sucked I'm, all the energy. I'm out." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah that that is the high bar that we have to meet here. So, um, I have my 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 plot pitch, my characters like start to delve into the plot pitch that I have. Okay, like describing where these characters are at. My 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 frame of thinking. So should I save those descriptions for the plot pitch or should I uh, go ahead and get into it as I say who my actors are?
1: Well, I would say um, let's go ahead and start with... I want to. We have to assemble the cast first before we can write the movie. So I'm going to go ahead and say, first of all, pick your director or screenwriter for this okay. and then pitch me your... So I
2: hope we don't have the same...
1: Answer here.
0: I'm going for an adult take oh. on this one. Um, think Cabin in the Woods meets Scooby Doo. So, not quite like okay. super serious, but definitely like we could go R rated here pretty easily. And my pick is Taika Waititi.
1: That was my pick for, <laughs> for my yeah. director. So, writer
0: director Taika Waititi. He's so got
1: the lead now. And, <laughs> oh <my laughs> God. and I was
0: thinking of having him play Scooby also. Um, but I decided against that. That was not my pick for Scooby. I'm going to get into that in a second. Um, but all of the cast, they're all adults. They behave like real people. They don't behave like, you know, real, uh, like cartoons or anything like that. I mean, I love the, the early two thousands movies for the wackiness fest that they are, but I'm going for something a little bit more mature, a little bit more grounded. Uh, Scooby doesn't really talk much in my version only when Shaggy gets blazed, they have hallucinatory conversations. Mm. Is what I'm uh, dipping into here. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna stop there. I'm gonna let Drew take over here. Uh, okay. what's
2: What's your initial pitch? So, here?
0: I did. Who's helming
2: this? I heavily considered an adult version of Scooby Doo, and because I Scooby Doo didn't mean a ton to me growing up, uh, but I talked to my girlfriend Allison and she was dead against that. She said millions of people would be very upset if you went dark and adult with Scooby-Doo. And honestly, that does make sense. And the fact is, I don't think that that is... Like, you have to do that to make a great movie. I think that there is a great movie in there, and I would want to see it, but I wanted to do a universal Scooby-Doo that is better than the two live-action movies because I don't think that they were as good as they should have been, honestly. I don't think they age... Well, no, they they're not the best to watch. Just so
1: you know, I'm Sony, I'm not Universal. So, um, <laughs>
2: okay. Yeah. Shit. Um, yeah, they they the potential is clearly there for live action Scooby-Doo uh because Scooby-Doo is just a great base idea. Um, that's kind of the biggest thing here that
0: differentiates this recast from the other ones we've done is like there's a lot of room to play here. The other ones we've done, it's like you're either meeting the super eccentric uh, SpongeBob's, <laughs> or fitting the very set mold of The Office yeah. and um, The Dark Knight.
2: Yeah, but with Scooby Doo, I mean, there have been so many incarnations of it since like the 70s or whatever. Whenever it started, there's there have been there was a string of 90s movies uh, that were still cartoons. There was a TV show, multiple TV shows, uh, and then there were these two live action movies to play with. Um, so for the real spirit of scooby-doo i didn't want to abandon it entirely i wanted to capture what made it good in the first place and I, i wanted a universal movie so not a universal studios movie but what i ended up going with as my director are the most universally uh capable directors that i can think of lord and miller nice and i want them to write it as well obviously uh, they are capable of making kids movies that literally everyone can enjoy. They're hot off Spider-Verse. Um, they've, you know, they've delved into animation before. They've directed live action before. Uh, they they can essentially do it all. And as far as the spirit of Scooby-Doo goes, I think that they're the best choice because I don't I didn't want to alienate people. Cool. All right. So let's get into our
0: cast. Um Scooby, like I said, I was considering Taika, but then I thought maybe Jermaine Clement, maybe that could be cool. And then at the very last second, I thought, no, my Scooby is going to be Lakeith Stanfield (laughs) (laughs) because we're going to use him in very sporadic scenes. Very just little set scenes where Shaggy gets absolutely blasted and has like deep philosophical conversations with his dog <laughs> and it's the voice of lakeith stanfield just being very spaced out but also super intellectual yeah.
1: can can he do silly voices lakeith? of course he can
2: is, well so the question is is he doing a scooby or is he doing it <laughs> he's just
1: doing lakeith he's not
2: going
0: he's not doing a ruh, 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 ruh. no he's not but he can depending on what the scene calls for he's not going to deliver every line like that Mm. but he'll he'll sprinkle it in here and there for sure he can get it it's a vocal performance right we're not doing mocap here um but he can he's gonna be mostly what you know him sounding as and then throw in some flourishes here and there depending on what the scene calls for okay
2: Man, after this, I'm gonna need to. I want to tell you the cast I had for my R-rated Scooby because okay. I had a whole different cast okay. for that. But um, my Scooby is a guy that I I already fit into my SpongeBob cast because this is one of the most versatile, uh, n- like relative unknowns in all of Hollywood. It's James Adomian. Um, this is a guy who is the I would say the best working impressionist in in America. Um, he can do anybody and and like you know this is like old old uh what's the old hat here Mm -hmm. but he doesn't just do an impression he does the impression that makes it funny much like Dana Carvey did uh this is the guy who does Bernie yeah he does Bernie he tours Bernie versus Trump with Anthony Atamanuk um this is a guy that should be a household name and I want him to be so badly he is so immensely talented uh he's he's like in his late 30s maybe early 40s at this point he was like, second on the list to make the cast of SNL twice in his career. Uh, he thinks, you know, they apparently Lorne stole a couple of his characters that he Uh-oh. auditioned for them. He's been fucked over so many times, and it, it's so frustrating. Uh, he also was coming up as a gay comedian in a time where there was not a gay comedy scene. And now there is such a flourishing one. Like, I in uh, this week's catch-up, I talk about Julio Torres, uh, who came up in that scene. And this is just a guy who... He has all the talent in the world and like I've heard him do a Scooby before as part of like okay. a little sketch. He can do it really well. Uh I but I didn't want to just hire like whoever, you know, has historically voiced Scooby because I don't I don't like that guy. <laughs> like the I rewatched one of the nineties uh movies recently And it really struck me how bad Scooby's voice acting was. Like it was, it was. It sounded like Scooby, but it was not funny. I need someone that is actually funny, and that was my main priority here. So, and and is he
0: going to be a major
2: speaking part of the film, or Um, is it going to be? He's. I mean, he is. He's Scooby Doo in my movie. Like he is talking, but he is not. Talking as much like if you remember the two live action ones, Scooby doesn't talk as much right. as the other characters do. Even in this series, he really doesn't talk as much as the others do. He, he a lot of the time he's just there for a uh, kind of like a button joke at the mm-hmm. end of a little sequence.
1: So I did just want to uh, interject real quick here that I am upset that nobody took the low hanging fruit of having Andy Circus <laughs> as mocap, mocap, and we can treat it. Tom Hooper <laughs> will be the director, and we'll treat it like cats except mm-hmm. dogs. Well, well, we should have well, done these Well, hold on, hold on. A... You're... Am I, oh, am I stepping on We're... your – Oh, Whoa. shit. We'll get to just it. Just wait. We're oh, going to get to fuck. Fred
2: soon. We'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So
0: I don't want to jump ahead. You're going okay. okay. right. to bury my right. meat. Okay. Shaggy is next. Big shoes to fill, like we said, with Matthew Lillard. My mind went to Seth Rogen. Mm-hmm. My mind went to Jake Johnson. You know? I, he, was he was on my shortlist. guys. But my pick for this very specific approach, mature approach, is Paul Dano. Uh, <laughs> Paul Dano. I can see it.
1: He, he's, been, he's been, like, gross and kind of mangy before. And he can, get, he can get
0: sincere. He can look very scared and frightened. Um, let me get into a little bit of the Shaggy Scoob dynamic in my film. They live a humble life. They work at a bar slash coffee shop joint, like what you see in Brooklyn, in New York, where during the daytime it's a coffee shop and then at night it turns into a bar. People love them. They go there all the time. They've got lots of regulars, very loved in their neighborhood. Um, by the way, I should say now, um, before I get too into my, my plot, my story takes place like years after the heyday of Mystery Inc. Like they had their, their time, they had their success. And now they've all moved on and pursued other things and they haven't done the the monster, ghost, bad guy thing in a while, in like a decade or so. So they've been taking it easy. They smoke tons of pot, tons of weed. Everyone loves them. They're Um, great. Is this PG thirteen or are you going full R? You I can guess. have weed in PG thirteen movies. We can go R here. They're, depending on where the execs fall on the budget here, we can definitely <laughs> go R. Okay. Um, but in my movie, they just—they are chilling. They are fine. They are running this business, and in order to get them into our adventure, Fred has to come see them and convince them to to leave this very comfortable life that
2: they have. Nice. Is Paul Dano a mute?
1: No, no, no! Like <laughs> he's a little. See, I do want to see <laughs> no. Paul Dano and Lakeith Stanfield no. doing bits together. No, Paul Dano.
2: Paul Dano is
0: is he is very talkative, very nice. Uh, you guys didn't see um, uh, what's it called? Escape at Dannemora. but he there's like this charismatic nature to it, mixed in with like the mad priest from There Will Be Blood. Um, he he can get sincere and and emotional
2: while still having this like weird quirkiness to him. That's, I mean, that's for, for your Scooby, that's a fun pick. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Um, So for my Shaggy, for all my characters, I have a list that I went into casting with a list of non-negotiables that I had list of traits that this actor just has to have. And once I was done with my list for Shaggy, there was one actor in the world who fit every single trait. Um, What are some of those traits? Tall. Uh, that was a must for me. The stature which of Shaggy is a big part of his character he 's a tall, lanky dude. Uh, a big brown mop wasn 't totally necessary, but i don 't want to see a wig. You know what I mean so a big brown mop uh funny was a must because Shaggy is comic relief. This Scooby is more grounded than the cartoons even than the live action movies were, um, even though it 's still a you know at heart a scooby doo movie uh a versatile voice was very important to me. I don't need him to do a perfect Shaggy impression because that's already been done by Lillard, and I don't think anyone. And it's flawless. There. I don't think anybody's going to compete with that, but I needed a versatile, good voice that can do a lot. Um, I also needed this person to be a relative unknown uh, because that's what Lillard was, and that's why that worked, because we weren't seeing... Like, Fred is kind of a brick wall of a character anyway, so to see Freddie Prinze doing it was kind of... It was great. Like, I really enjoyed that. Shaggy... Half the reason it works so well because we're like, whoa, who the fuck is this? This is just Shaggy. Like, this is just our Shaggy. Straight out of the cartoon. Yeah, there's no one else. This is Shaggy. (laughs) Um, So I needed that. I needed a relative unknown. And the last thing that was really vital to me was good at physical comedy, which narrowed the list down more than any of the other traits. Physical comedy is very, very hard to accomplish. Uh, I'm not saying that this guy is going to be, like, full-on, like, cartoon moving, but he needs to be able to convey humor through his body. Uh, the only person that fits all of those criteria is a guy named Mike Hanford. Are you familiar, Hunter? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mike Hanford. Bang, bang boy. Of, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's on Comedy Bang Bang a lot. He plays John Lennon on that podcast. He is a member of founding member of the Birthday Boys. This is how I know he's good at physical comedy because he is the goofy one of that sketch troupe. Um, he's tall. He's lanky. He has a big brown mop. His voice is hilarious. I love this dude's voice. Um, and on top of all that, he's just one of those guys who got through... Uh, like he had a moment, much like Adomian, where he was getting audition calls for a lot of stuff, and he just never quite got the one. Uh, and I think he's more than capable of being discovered in this movie. You're he
1: giving, does. You're he giving does some... look like Shaggy. Yeah, yeah. He looks like Shaggy, and our friend of the pod, Greg, had a baby.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, you're giving you're giving guys big breaks here. These are the only two, actually. Okay, and that's that's why I wanted I wanted uh, two people that are. Like, more than qualified. Like, these guys are overqualified for these parts. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched the Birthday Boys sketch show, but it was truly a great show. I like him. I am Lenin. curious.
1: What kind of a, Are you pitching a PG, a PG-13? What it's is PG.
2: Your... It's Lord and Miller. Okay. A PG literally for everyone. Not... Uh, and it has the vibe of, like, a Spider-Verse or, like, any of their other movies. It has a self-awareness to it. Like, it's not just, like, a very earnest... Uh, like uh, Calderon's no <laughs> it's not just like uh, through and through like uh, you know faithful movie it is poking a little fun at itself while still being itself I mean just it's like Lord Sp- and it's Lord and Miller, yeah just like Spider-Verse you know? did uh, that proved to me that they're capable of make like that was all of our you know f- most rewatchable movie of last year I'm sure and it's because of that it's because it's just for everybody there was one picture of Hanford that really sold me on him and it's this one right here
1: oh man that that does <laughs> he's, look he's like he's
2: wearing a shaggy outfit in this picture <laughs> yeah and yeah he, boom boy he has the stature a paul he, has, rust. <laughs> he has just that goofy
1: look that pill-shaped head um i really i actually thought you were gonna go with paul rust on this he was on my sh- rest is a yeah. he's i don't know how much he is at physical comedy but he, he, I he mean, does he, have kind he, of the look of yeah uh, he is shaggy. he
2: is great at it but i just needed a tall lanky boy with a brown mop uh Russ was on my short list though okay. he really was because Russ might be a little too neurotic <laughs> yeah well uh so as far as my story goes like I-, I was a little more restricted because i am trying to be pretty faithful to the original cast um but they are a little older in mine as well they're not fully retired but i like they're yeah. seasoned yeah they're seasoned i was going for like late 20s early 30s with my whole cast um, because i really like the idea introduced by the second live action movie which is this is a group of people that are dealing with fame this is a group of people that like have a tv show and they because that's again that's something that lord and miller could thrive with writing is uh that you know that's another like snake eating its own tails style of yeah. plot. um they're dealing with fame they're the person that uh calls them for help in my movie is a fan of theirs who calls them in uh so, I yeah, I think that he's in the sweet spot for age as well. He's, I think he's like 30 on the nose or something like that. There's a little, little similarity with my plot there. Uh, we'll get into that. <laughs> um, all right, who should we do next? Should
0: we do Fred or Velma? I got Velma. Next. Uh, let's go with Velma. Velma. So, Velma, uh, my, my initial pick was Aquafina, then I thought maybe. Because Velma is a genius, yeah. right? She has she's a big nerd. She's so smart. She's the brains of the group. So I went Aquafina. Then I thought maybe Emma Stone here could be good. That was kind of like the one I was settling on. But then just this morning I thought I want a little diversity in my cast, and I want someone, um, and I'll get into it later, who is going to give us a little bit of a different dynamic in this group than what we expect. And that's Rosario Dawson. Whoa. Oh okay. Yeah. My Velma in this story is super successful. She's a chemical engineer. (laughs) She's worked on medical cures and renewable energy solutions. She doesn't need the group anymore. She is fine in her career. She had her fun in her youth, and now as an adult, she is like super, super genius-level successful, working on big, world-solving shit. But part of her misses her friends a little bit. And she ha- she misses the good times that they had. So there's this like little personal sliver of her that still has this nostalgic pull to the mystery gang. Okay. Um, so Rosario
2: Dawson. That's, that's really interesting. I, I also, I have a similar dynamic with my character. Um, for my movie I want Velma to be the leader of the pack because she should have been all along essentially Fred is kind of the de facto leader just because he is white man He's yeah he's big he's blind he's attractive he's like seemingly fearless Velma is actually smart and good at solving mysteries more so than Fred Fred and Daphne are also pretty smart they're just also like vain a uh, common misconception about those characters but uh my list of non-negotiables for Velma were uh i i did need someone who was short and kind of round-faced just because that's so signature of velma um she needs to be an unassuming leader of the pack she needs to be someone that you're like oh wow she's really taking charge because in my movie it's almost sort of like a black widow dynamic where she because they're a little bit past like they're all famous they're not really taking solving mysteries seriously anymore she's the one that's holding it down for everybody You know, she's the one that's like at home base. Like, hey guys, I got another fucking like we people need us. You know, Uh, and everyone else is just if it wasn't for her, nothing would get done. Yeah, yeah, because they're all rich at this point. Um, so here's here's another. This is also a a diverse pick. Velma has uh, freckles on her face. Not only that, what if I told you there's an actress who has been the star of a show where she led a team that was solving a mystery that fits all the other criteria it's Aaliyah leah okay
1: oh okay. did
2: you see uh, search party i haven't but i've heard great things it's, this is uh maybe yeah Arrested Development. yeah search party is a really great show and she took me by surprise in that show specifically because she is a commandeering force in that show she is the leader of the pack while also being scared she is th- i wouldn't be surprised if that character was almost based off of velma she's very smart um she also has the look like she really does she has the dark hair she has a freckle face uh she has a bit of a roundness to her face she's uh short in stature but she has a very powerful personality obviously even dating back to maybe which was like over a decade ago Mm -hmm. she has like a very she has a strength to her Because I want—that's one of the biggest changes in dynamic of my movie—is Velma is leading the way here. I I I did I
1: do really like that. I just wanted to say uh, my ideas that I had for Velma. uh, At first, I went with the voice was signature to me, and I went with Kristen Schaal. Um, But then after rethinking it, I'd kind of thought about the stature of everything, and for Velma, I'd cast Beanie Feldstein. Oh yeah, yeah, she, totally. She's super smart. Might be a little young though. Well, if you're doing a young, cast, I, well, doing, I was right. going for more of a younger okay, cast. Yeah. Whenever I was, like, I was this. Yeah, mind, I have. And I think that as a young, that would cast, be amazing. Beanie Feldstein as, and I, it was kind of the same thing where she's the smartest person. She can kind of yeah. take charge of this. Yeah, exactly. So Hunter wins this round. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. I'm voting for myself. So far, I've gotten all these. He's I got Owen Wilson notes at on sh- At Shaggy, Beanie Feldstein. Owen
0: Wilson
2: is Shaggy. That could
1: that could work.
2: Um, um, yeah. Luke Wilson. As, I got Andy as Circus as
1: mocap okay. Scooby. Okay,
2: wait, really quick. I'll tell you my Shaggy for my like grungy R-rated Scooby Doo when they're all older was gonna be the the guy from High Maintenance.
0: Oh, oh yeah, man. yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that be so uh, funny, what, man? What is his I name? Brett uh, Bob, Brett, Ben, Ben wit ben, ben something. Ben something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guy. Wouldn't
2: he be so? Oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, maybe maybe he should shave. I would mean, Would yeah. he shave? Well, no, he's just fucking... No, he's, high. If, if I'm going R, I'm going, like, he's okay. fucking high all the time. He <laughs> sucks. He's, he's shooting up H. Okay. <laughs> Daphne is next. My first
0: pick was Allison Brie, but then I saw the light. And I love Allison Brie. Like I said, I'm, That's a, a good choice. I'm a big fan of Glow. I think she's a tremendous actress. She would be great in any, any role you put her, she's, she's great. And honestly, I started thinking a lot about community... And how the cast of Community is kind of like Scooby-Doo a little bit. <laughs> Troy and Abed are yeah. like Shaggy and Scooby. There is a
2: Scooby-Doo episode of Community. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. So that was my first pick. But then I was like, I, I, I thought about it more. I thought about it more. About what kind of story I'm trying to tell here. How these people are going to fit into the story. And my Daphne is Phoebe Waller-Bridge. <laughs> <Yo>. Fleabag herself. <laughs> right. um, so Daphne is a super successful entrepreneur and hashtag influencer, online influencer. Um, She took her time at at Mystery Inc. and just blew it up to a whole brand, uh, a self-brand to stratospheric levels, and she created merch and online content. Um, She's kind of insufferable uh, and a bit insane. Um, And she is kind of like way past this whole mystery gang thing but she agrees to do it because of what it could mean for her brand and how it could fall into the little uh influencer empire that she's building she's she's very narcissistic about why she gets into this and she is just this really kind of again narcissistic insufferable uh lady Mm. and it'll that'll tie back in later
2: so phoebe waller bridge that's that's very fun that's interesting. Um, so my Daphne is someone that you did mention earlier, actually, Ernest. Um, so the one thing that really struck me rewatching, it was like the zombie 90s cartoon. Yeah, you zombie, know Island. Called? zombie Island. Zombie yeah. Island, yeah. One thing that really struck me is that the perception around Daphne, and I think that one of the faults of the live action movies is they kind of paint Daphne as stupid, and Her original character is not stupid at all. She's just very vain and self-obsessed. But when it comes to like brass tacks and solving the mystery, she's heavily involved. Like she's an intelligent character. So I need someone who can kind of go big and get laughs, but also has an intelligence about them. Uh, And I wanted, I wanted to give Emma Stone a chance to go funny Yeah. because she is my favorite actress. First of all, Uh, she is so, so good on SNL in dumb, dumb comedy roles, yet she doesn't do them in real life. Uh, she is more she than did capable. a little bit in The Favourite. Yeah, that and was... And in La La Land, like, y- yeah. slivers. I mean, she's definitely dabbled. I mean, earlier in career, she had comedies, but she mostly played, like, the straight woman, like, you know, the protagonist who's the least crazy out of anyone. But she is so capable of humor. Uh, she is literally allowed to go on SNL when she has nothing to plug, which is she's maybe one of five humans alive who is allowed to do that she is that good at comedy uh and on top of that she obviously has an immense intelligence about a lot of her characters she fits the look she's a redhead uh most of the time Daphne is a redhead she has the attractiveness to her um is Emma
1: Stone like way too overqualified to be (laughs) Daphne though do you think Emma Stone would pick up the phone she's for... doing zombie land too so i don't That's think so yeah okay. do you think phoebe waller bridge <laughs> no phoebe waller bridge is just like well shit i'm not bringing back flea so i need another paycheck <laughs> um but anyway my my role
2: with her is actually kind of similar to yours as well though she is uh kind of over it her and fred both they they have their bank they have their nut are they together they have what they ultimately wanted they no. they still it's funny they live separately they're everyone's very rich in this and they all live separately but they still have their dynamic of like they fuck like they they definitely fuck and this movie is a little like jeff and britta yeah and this movie is because it's lord and miller uh even though it's pg it's a lot more overt with the fact that they're boning because you're allowed to have that in a pg movie at this point like Mm -hmm. we know that kids are not kids anymore um but yeah she is she is kind of over the whole thing she is, you know, dragged into this mystery by Velma. Velma's the one, you know, the leading force, uh, the moral center of the movie, as well as the intelligence center. Um, but yeah, I think that Emma Stone, I want to give her a chance to just knock a comedic role out of the park at this point in her career because she did with The Favorite, but that wasn't a widely seen movie. And that was like a niche comedy role. This is even easier for Emma Stone. I think she And could, also that's a Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah, film, that's so, yeah. <laughs> very different. Yeah, I I really think, she has been criminally underutilized in the realm of comedy. All right. Next, we got Fred. Very
0: straightforward here. This was my first pick as soon as I started doing this Fred is, list. Fred is the basic boy. I got Dan Stevens. Yeah. Oh, Legion okay. totally. himself. Like yeah. that's, that's totally. And it fits in with, with my vibe here, mm. with my tone here, where this guy, he, he could be a fucking murderer for all you know, but that's not what Fred is here. He's very pathetic. He's sad. He lives in the van. (laughs) He lives in the Mystery Machine van. He has nothing going on in his life. He's still in love with Daphne 10 years later. Very pathetic. This gig that brings everyone back together is all really he has to live for. So
1: he's like... He is the jock guy who kind of lost a little bit of his he's un- hotness. He's, Uncle sure. Rico. he's just kind sure. of he doesn't have anything yeah. else to bring to the team. But way
0: past that, he's like homeless essentially. Like he lives in a van. He's Uncle Rico.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> literally. So Dan Stevens is Fred. That's that's good. Um, he made my my long list actually. But I I kept going back to the live actions. I loved the idea of Freddie Prinz more than I loved the execution of it. Um Part of the reason, I think, was his stature just wasn't there. Fred is like a big dude. He has like a big puffy chest. And this does matter if if you're casting for likeness, which they were doing in those movies. Um, but the idea of Freddie Prinz was amazing because Freddie Prinz was a kind of like a former teen heartthrob that was on the back end of riding out his attractiveness. Um, Zach Efron.
0: Whoa. Oh, okay. okay. Because right.
2: in my movie... Uh, kind of similar to you, Fred is not on top of the world anymore, but in my movie, he doesn't know it. He doesn't know that he's a joke. He doesn't know that they don't respect him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's in denial he's, a bit. Yeah, he's still trying to call all the shots in my movie, but everyone is just like, shut up. Because that's, that's the vibe I get off of Zach. It's, it's the same, the list of non-negotiables is fully filled out. Attractive, manly, a strong jaw, but also has this sort of inherent like femininity and like vainness to him. Zach has that for me, where like you, like he is so good looking, but you just look at him and you're like, I don't fully buy that guy. I'm not all in on Zach, you know. <laughs> like who's all in on Zach? Um, so I, I think that that would work perfectly because, unlike needing my Shaggy to be an unknown, having a Fred who's real life actor kind of reflects how I want his character to be. I think is perfect, and I think sure. that's what I think that's what they were going for in the live action movies. Too. I think
1: that um, one person you could throw in here, although uh, I don't think that he would be okay with it because he always wants to paint himself in the best kind of like in the best kind of light. Uh, be the Rock, <laughs> the Rock you could have in there as like this beefy dude, but just kind of make him where he still <laughs> thinks that he is the shit, but everybody else is just like he's too okay beefy. Dwayne like all right no but that's you, his whole thing are you is gonna that put,
0: are you gonna put him in an ascot
1: I'm saying that yes I'm saying <laughs> and that's the thing is that like he just he's past his prime and so he thinks that he's still like this hot jock boy but he just keeps lifting weights he's turned to just he's going stupid like as shit. he's turned to being like full workout like yeah. meathead he's a, he's a primatologist to, he's, <laughs> he's named Davis <laughs> <laughs> okay so i have but two... i don't think the rock would agree to just having people dunk on him for right. two hours <laughs> i have two more people on my cast list i have a Same. villain
0: and an ally um but before we get to that let's just recap scooby i have lakeith stanfield shaggy i have paul dano velma i have rosario dawson
2: daphne phoebe waller bridge fred dan stevens okay velma my leader of the pack alia shawcat Kind of a break for her, but also she's more recognizable than, like, Mike Hanford. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. Uh, Fred, Zach Efron, uh, Shaggy, Mike Hanford, Daphne, Emma Stone. And, I. yeah, I have four more people to cast also. So oh. you, can, you can go ahead with yours. Okay, so I'll just get into my plot now because I'll
0: weave these two people into the plot. So my story begins with our ally, played by Kumail Nanjiani. He's a realtor. In fact, he's the ghost realtor from <laughs> Nathan for You. From Nathan for You. <laughs> okay. He believes that there are ghosts in the homes that he's been selling. And he wants it taken care of. He doesn't want to sell haunted homes. So he's hired Andy Circus as an exorcist. <laughs> and Andy Circus has been trying for like a year to exercise these homes and he has failed mm-hmm. no nothing has come of it ridding trying to rid these these homes of ghosts he is absolutely baffled when kumail brings up the idea of bringing back the mystery incorporated gang to help him out he's like what i don't fucking need them i'm a fucking exorcist these are they're jokes their has-beens <laughs> so he thinks he's still got this circus does but Kumail reaches out to them anyway in hopes of reliving a little bit of his own childhood when he was a kid and he looked up to these people uh, and their 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 prime and their heyday and their glory days. So it plays out as you think. The gang gets together. Fred has to convince uh, Shaggy and Scooby to do it. Um, Velma does it just because she's so nostalgic for it. Uh, Daphne feels like it's a good gig, to to add to her brand, so you know some of them are reluctant, some of them are excited, but they get together anyway, and they and they're brought together by Kumail to to go around uh, house by house, um, ridding each house uh, from ghosts. Um, so we get into our hijinks, you know, Taika Waititi uh, doing his thing, wackiness, cool, funny sequences, uh, snappy directing with mm-hmm. a little bit of of, uh, of drama thrown in there um the co- the ghosts have to be chased and caught and you think it's of course going to be andy circus behind everything pulling all the strings but in fact it's actually kumail because he's obsessed with the gang super over mega obsessed and he wants them to be trapped in a state of always hunting ghosts forever for his own pleasure and enjoyment never escaping forever trapped and he's gone as far as to trick Velma into giving him a special serum that will open up a portal to the ghost dimension so we're going full Thor Ragnarok crazy psychedelic shit in the third act of this thing Okay, Um, to the point where now that we know that Circus isn't the real bad guy, he has to end up teaming up with the team and ends up having to sacrifice himself to close the portal and defeat Kumail. Wow. So, in the end, the gang are all friends again after years and years and years apart. Velma and Fred have been flirting throughout the movie a little bit, Rosario Whoa. and Dan. Uh, so they're not like together, but by the end, there's like little sparks flying. Is Daphne pissed? Daphne is actually very humbled by the situation, and she actually she sees how down to earth Shaggy and Scooby are, and in their their you know low stakes approach to life, mm-hmm. and she's very humbled and and grounded by it. Um, and she decides to rethink things and and you know rethink her priorities. Um, so that's. That's my pitch nice. there for uh, yeah. Scooby-Doo,
2: written and directed by Taika Waititi. Nice. Taika was my second choice for a director, and it was actually his choice, too. Yeah. Okay. We were talking about it last night. Um, so here's my movie. Uh, it, we start off with a very Spider-Verse-esque. Uh, so let's go th- through this one more time, you know, because we all know the Scooby-Doo story, but we need to know what this Scooby-Doo story is, like how where things are in this universe. Um, so we find out these people like this cast of mystery team has been working together since high school. They've been famous since high school. Um, They had like, you know, they had like a TV show about them that spawned. Eventually there was a cartoon that kind of mimicked their real life hijinks, you know, that turned into movies. They all became very rich. uh, And now they all kind of are not super into it anymore. Like I said, Velma, Aaliyah Shawcat, is, she doesn't like all that noise that's not what she got into this for she got into this to help people and so she is essentially like a pi almost like she is running an investigation agency she's extremely rich she has a lot of resources she really doesn't work with the other of the gang very often because they're just not very interested in it these aren't people who you would think would want to solve mysteries like any anyone else in this crew um Uh, shaggy and scoob are just kind of laying low they're loving life they're you know they're living in a mansion they have all the food in the world like they're just they're fat almost i need i need mike hamford to gain like 50 pounds (laughs) (laughs) the dog can barely walk he has to drag himself yeah he's waddling james adomian is just going full like like gross um daphne is loving being a celebrity she is actually just full-time actress she is acting in other movies she is a you know, she has transitioned her career into that. She's not doing great, though. She's mostly doing TV roles. Uh, I, I I had a vision of, like, seeing her, like, in a law and order as, like, the thankless role of, like, the one, like, she sees a, a dead body, you know, or something, and she screams, and, like, that's her big that's her big thing for the year because at this point she's, like, 32 or whatever, and, like, actresses just get thrown away. Um, Fred has a reality show. He doesn't realize what a joke he is, but he, he is the only one that's still, like, like just basking in in the spotlight and he thinks that he's on top of the world but he has a really trashy reality show and it's the kind that it's almost like any reality show like the bachelor where like the people on it might think that you watch it because you love it but you really hate watch it because you hate him you know and he does not realize that he doesn't realize that his fandom is largely ironic (laughs) um so the velma is contacted by A boy from all of their hometown where they first met in high school. A young man, an actor by the name of Will Poulter. Oh, okay. Eyebrow eyebrow kid. Uh, Bondersnatch. (laughs) Somehow he has a Cockney accent. (laughs) (laughs) They're contacted by him. He's an unbelievably rich kid in their hometown. And he has a mystery for them. And he's very upfront. He's like, I'm a I'm a massive fan of you guys. Like, I seriously like I grew up watching you. And when I saw that, like when I saw this crazy shit happening in my house, like you were the you were the only people I would trust because the cops aren't listening to us. He thinks that you know their place is haunted or whatever, or someone's trying to kill them. um The whole time you're a little sketched out by him. Obviously, you've seen Eyebrow Kid. He, you don't fully trust yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, his parents only make things worse they are even more sketchy they are christoph waltz and susan sarandon uh so the whole time you're like jesus christ like the gang needs to get out of this mansion so everyone reluctantly kind of gets back together shaggy and scooby are totally down for it because they're just down with whatever they come in uh daphne is into it because fred's reality show crew is going to shoot it so the whole time they're being followed by reality show cameras uh, and that's uh, that again feeds into the joke of Fred playing the leader while just being an absolute joke the whole time, like he's literally being filmed as if he's a protagonist. Meanwhile, like he's not actually doing anything. Um, and I think seeing Zac Efron do that would be yeah <laughs> really funny. Um, you haven't seen The Beach Bum, but his character
0: man, in that is just like that's what
1: I'm picturing for this version of Zach. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be the next version of Zac Efron, yeah. Like so
2: unaware, yeah. He so just assuming he yeah. just couldn't know um but he's playing it serious like that's why i didn't want to get a full-on comedic actor for this because i don't want someone like that is, knows it's funny i want this guy to not know that he's a joke so the reality show crew is following them this guy like they're the richest family in this town they're they this is a mansion movie it's like a, a bottle movie where it's like a classic scooby-doo episode mm-hmm. they are in the mansion for the majority of this movie it's fucking huge um the parents are being very sketchy along the way they're actually getting the help of the mansion's security guard, uh, Brian Tyree Henry. Is that what his name is? Yeah. Yeah. Brian Tyree Henry is the security guard of this mansion. And the whole time he kind of plays as a bit of comic relief of like, like kind of calling out what everyone's thinking, which is like, this is really like, you should maybe look into the people living in this house. (laughs) Like, it seems like (laughs) things are going on with them. I don't trust them. I'm their security guard, et cetera, et cetera. Um, eventually we're kind of won over by Will Poulter. We kind of like him, uh, And so the first couple acts they are struggling with their character differences because velma is being dead serious shaggy and scooby are just they're they're into it but they're not taking it seriously enough as always uh daphne is trying to get on camera and fred is on camera uh so they're doing a sloppy job of solving the mystery basically which is honestly they usually do a pretty pretty sloppy job until the third act first couple acts it seems kind of like things are leading into figuring out that it's either will poulter or his parents that are doing this until they find out that will poulter has been faking this whole thing that he just wanted to meet his heroes so he he has been staging these hauntings and pretending you know all these scares that we've seen so far it's all been him and his buddies because he wanted to meet his heroes it's jake jill and holland spider-man yeah (laughs) yeah he's he's been faking it and he's he's not like he doesn't have ill will he just really wanted to meet them so velma figures this out uh daphne and fred are off somewhere else fucking around so she brings scooby and shaggy she's like we got to confront this kid we got to go find him and tell him that we know what's up so we can get the fuck out of here this sucks uh so when they're on the way to confront him scooby and shaggy get hungry obviously they end up in this, you know, mansion's industrial kitchen. They go into the walk-in freezer. Will Poulter's in there. He's dead. Now, I checked with Allison on this. The Scooby-Doo crew has never dealt with an actual death before.
0: Oh, They have not.
2: They dealt with real zombies in that zombie movie. Yeah. But they haven't dealt with an actual death. The thing is, Spider-Verse has death in it. Uh, kids are confronted by death each and every day in every way. In reality and in uh, their fiction. So it's time. It's time for them to deal with the death. It also kind of plays as a joke because after this point, everyone's freaking the fuck out because they've never had anyone die in all of their investigations, in their thousands of stories. Fred's like, cut the fucking cameras. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah, they're like, no, no, one, no one's supposed to die. Like, this isn't how this works, you know? There's that self-aware component to it. Uh, so the, the third act is a complete shit show. They're scrambling. They're trapped in this house. They're like, who is doing this if Polter's dead in the freezer? Eventually, we find out it was Brian Tyree Henry all along. The reason is... He wasn't always a security guard. He was a cop. The reason he became a cop is because he worshipped them growing up. That He was the same age as them his whole life in high school. He was like, oh my God, solving mysteries is amazing. I'm going to become a police detective. He becomes a cop. He realizes that it sucks. It's awful. He feels like he was misled, that his whole life was screwed over by these fucking characters that like made it seem like it was just whimsical to solve these gruesome mysteries. He ends up getting discharged uh, from being a cop. He gets fired because he was too moralistic about it. He wanted to be wholesome and actually do things right. He becomes a security guard. He's so salty. Uh Will Poulter had found out that Brian Tyree Henry was planning on killing the mystery gang. And Brian Tyree is like I wasn't going to kill this kid, but he found out. And so he kills Will Poulter. He tries to kill the gang, but they end up getting him in the end. Okay, that's it. Should we
0: should we poke holes in each other's or are you going to do? Yeah, it no, really? I want
1: to. I want to hear a little bit of a. Let's poke some holes in so each other's. I, I have some other. I have some thoughts too. I but really I want you guys to go first.
0: I really like this pitch a lot, but it seems like it's suffering from a little bit of of tone imbalance, where you want to go for something that's very kid. If you're friendly. showing a
1: dead body, it's PG thirteen. It's not PG at that point. Really? What about Spider-Verse? I mean, I'm picturing like Will Poulter being like butchered. No, he's just frozen to death.
2: That's the thing. Is it's not like a gross you're, dead you're, body. You're you're riding a, a line there
1: where it starts to be much more like, of like a PG-13 Well, because type I mean thing. like Spider-Verse has people die but it's animated. Right. Like you can't you can't just show a dead is body that a law? in a kid's movie. It's not a law, it's not a, a law, but it's, ratings, ra- it's Movie ratings it, are
2: not law, yeah. I know that's no. what I'm saying, though. There have been it's dead writing, bodies in kids' movies a, before, a like line. that's not like unheard of. I
1: mean, I, I don't have a problem with it being PG 13. I'm just trying I know, to know, but this clarified. is a PG
2: movie, this is just a thing that happens in PG. There are dead bodies, it's just not like there's no blood in the entire movie, there's nothing of that nature. It's like spooky scares and then like a, almost like a cartoonishly frozen like body where you're mm-hmm. like, oh geez. Um, and I, li- I like the, the whole aspect of
0: um, the, the fame starting to, to add layers of complexity to this. But I think that in my, in my pitch, the fact that they're, that the fame has fizzled at this point, that it's this relic, adds even more complexity to it. Because mm-hmm. it's not that they're riding this high this or this wave, it's that it's past that. And that they're returning to something that has been missing for so long. And especially in the character of Daphne in my pitch, where you have this woman who has really been the only one to maintain that same high, but it's cost her a lot of humility and selflessness. And we see her arc in the story. And by the end, we could even have her maybe hang out with Shaggy and Scooby more in the coffee shop, in the bar and like maybe work there or hang out with them or help them with their business and elevate them using her skills that she's been using for herself, for her friends that she's kind of abandoned for years. So my movie is more about kind of like this group of friends that haven't been friends for so long and learning to find a way to see if 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 there's still something there that's worth salvaging that wasn't just for the sake of the mystery team it's like it's almost like the the mystery team is is just an excuse or like this whole adventure is just an excuse to tell a story about friendship being rekindled uh and then we have like these crazy super psychedelic ghost sequences thrown in there to keep the audience engaged. But at its core, it's just this very like almost like tragic story about like, is it even worth being friends? Are we, were we ever friends? Yeah. Is that, is that something that's even worth doing? And it's kind of like this lesson that gets learned where they find it within themselves to answer that question. So
1: I do. I have a question for yours because you, you were described very briefly at just, Give me kind of an overview of what Scooby and Shaggy's relationship is. It's just a it, it's just a guy
0: and his dog. Like in my movie, Scooby is not a cartoon character. So he's he just a dog.
1: So he does not talk like the rest of the gang does not hear Lakeith Stanfield talk. No,
0: just Shaggy. Just Shaggy okay. when Shaggy gets fucking zooted the highest fuck. <laughs> like we're we're gonna have like one, maybe two, maybe three, definitely one extended sequence of shaggy getting fucking high out of his mind and having like an intellectual trip with uh shaggy (laughs) about uh, with scooby about like their their life and their relationship and what they're getting themselves into with this adventure and is shaggy like old at
1: this point is he an old dog
0: Oh, you mean Scoob? Scoob, yeah. Yeah, Scoob's like an old, dead. (laughs) (laughs) That's the whole thing. (laughs) He's a ghost. How old is is the ghost the whole time in this? He's got to be like twenty. No, he's got to be like twelve. Yeah, like thirteen. Yeah, Yeah. twelve, thirteen. Like really
2: pushing it. Like (laughs) Danes (laughs) lived to like eight. Yeah. (laughs) What we should have done is like go through the IMDb's of actual dogs because they have IMDb's, and we should have just cast dogs and be like, "I'm going to sell you on Pickles." I mean, I don't know. Maybe I would
1: like to see. Maybe I would Scooby like to see, has to
2: sacrifice
0: himself too to the ghost dimension.
1: I would like to see a version of them of the Mystery Gang uh, that's kind of dark and gritty, where the gang falls apart because Scooby dies. <laughs> that's, I guess that's the sequel. <laughs> it's,
2: like, I I like your idea a lot, um, but I I didn't go with it be- for that reason because I I don't know. I think Lord and Miller in Spider Verse. I think they prove that you don't have to go uh full on adult mode and full on changing everything to change enough and to make it fresh and to make it universal. Can I
1: uh I wanted to pitch you guys one thing. Maybe like Lord Miller a little bit too uh light for this, but I almost feel like Lord and Miller would be a better director for your pitch Ernest and Tycho would mm. be a better pitch for your pitch. I could, could see be? that. I mean Tycho. I mean you, you some of the things that you're describing seem very spider versey with some of the aesthetics that you're going for the with the psychedelia. Yeah. But I, I really want my movie to
0: have like you want to have like an edge. drama and, and gravitas to it. And I wanna venture into like some traumatizing shit. Uh, <laughs> with I mean, we could show we could show some really graphic things going on with these these ghost attacks. You know, we could see people like fucking dismembered if we wanted
1: All right, to. Drew, you poked some holes in earnest all right I, pitch. I
2: frankly i just i want kids to be able to go to this movie because it's a scooby-doo yeah this yeah. is a scooby-doo movie and i think that there is plenty of depth to be had without making it full-on adult mode while that, i would still love to see that movie personally you know uh and this movie i i think that there are like a lot of character struggles i didn't get super deep into it but uh there are arcs happening here because they are kind of separated and by the end they're relatively more together, but they're more at peace with the fact that they're not best friends anymore. But uh one of the main things I wanted to do at the end is I wanted Daphne to end up working with Velma because Daphne is kind of having a sad life. She's like like I said, she's like on law and order. Her star is fading. Um Fred, I'm fine with him like keeping a reality show. Um but yeah, I I like the idea of them kind of coming to terms with the fact that this is how things shook out, and now maybe they're all trying to figure out what they're meant to do, uh, post fame. Uh, but yeah, overall, I just I want this to be a Scooby Doo movie, and I played a lot because it frees up your casting choices a lot if you're really messing with stuff, like if you're really going for it and changing things up. But I wanted uh, I didn't want to do that because. To me, I wouldn't care that much because like I said, these movies weren't religion to me as a kid, Um, but they were to a lot of lot, a lot of people. And um, I think that there are still stories to be told in this framework, because if I'm honest, another thing that struck me about those 90s movies is that they're pretty bad, like in retrospect, they're. Are you talking about the animated ones? Yeah, like, the, the jokes are horrible. The voice acting is honestly pretty rough. Um, the stories aren't that great, and I think that there is more potential because other than that, we have two live-action movies that, like I said, kind of disappointed me, and then we have, like, a 70s TV series. So I, I think that this is, this is a gang, a group that is so iconic, yet never reached their full potential in my mind. And I want, them, I want
1: this group that we know... To reach that potential. Okay, so I have a question to pose to both of you. It's a two-part question. One, where do you guys lie on spookiness, on the element of spooky to the element of horror that you want to put in this movie? And also, pitch me your budget for this movie. (laughs) Well, I would go... Ballpark. I would go
0: almost full horror with mine because I want it... I don't want to trick people with the marketing for this movie. I don't want them to think that they can bring their kids to this. I want it to be very straightforward. Like, this is a mature take on this story that we haven't seen before. Like, there's going to be some crazy ghost shit going on yeah. that is going to blow your fucking brains out. Um, Budget-wise, I'm, I'm dealing with some semi-big actors. I'm not dealing with stars, You know, I think maybe the biggest star in my whole cast is probably Rosario. Not even her. I think maybe Andy Serkis or (laughs) Kumail, but they're both going to be very minimal parts of the main cast. Maybe Phoebe Waller-Bridge. No, but she's not even no, see, I, see even... I don't have any stars in mind. So the budget of my film will go more towards like the set design and the visual effects and the the production value. So I could definitely make this for under 100 million. I could go 80 million, which is a rare thing to see. It's a yep. rare thing to see. I mean, this it would be difficult to get this one in the theaters. It might be something that you see on Netflix. Yeah. Um. More more than likely, but it would give Taika the opportunity to really dig in to that like super uh near horror thing. I mean, this is not going to be a, a straight up horror movie. Like, there's still going to be comedy and 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 drama and action thrown in there as taika does so well you know blending all all these genres together uh but yeah definitely right under the hundred
2: million mark for sure yeah i'm yeah i'm in that same ballpark uh my actors are going to cost a little bit more than yours um you know i have my three that will be relatively cheap and then i have my supporting cast even though they're like like you know they're going to be there for a few days each like christoph waltz and susan Serena, they're not going to be there for more than two days right but they still cost money However, most of the movie is in one set. It's in one mansion. Uh, So the set design is actually a lot cheaper. Uh, So I could probably do in like the 80 range, maybe even lower 70. Um, Lord and Miller cost a lot of money these days. They're a hot commodity if you haven't heard of them. them. (laughs) Um, Love Solo. That's my favorite movie of theirs um the the budget for 22 jump street was 84 yeah like that's what we're looking at because this is live action and that movie has big time action set pieces and i really like i love what they do with action direction in the jump street movies because the comedy is always uh at the forefront it's not always coming first because there are even there are a few scares in those movies but i yeah i like the idea of a scooby-doo that is actually truly funny um, Cause James Gunn definitely. So scratches. you're
1: leaning more into the spooky funny side than the horror. Yes, this is
2: at its core. It is a comedy for everyone, but I mean, spider verse really set a tone for me in terms of like, l- like adding depth and like true fear to children's movies. There are some horrifying moments of spider verse and there are, there is like death and dead bodies. Uh, and that's why I think we could still do PG because there's not a single weapon in my movie. Like there's, there are no weapons, no blood. No murders, just a a, a body. body
0: yeah. Here's a quick tidbit: the first Scooby Doo movie had a budget of also eighty four million, huh, but yeah. the sequel, okay. twenty
1: five. Oh, <laughs> what yes. happened there? Really ripped the well, rug out under the sequel. Them. Looks like shit. Yeah, <laughs> but they still brought back the hey, whole cast. I still stand by Monsters Unleashed. I think it's a fun movie.
2: <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I think where we're really cut, where we're saving our money is on the set because we're we're trapped in a mansion. And also, I love the idea of that. I love the old school Scooby episodes where they're stuck in a house. Those were the scariest for me. It adds a lot of fear to what I also want to be a pretty goofy, silly, funny movie. It's still going to be scary. It's going to be a dark, uh, claustrophobic setting. So
1: you're going to have them kind of going from different houses. I'm assuming there's going to be some kind of a lab scene where they have this portal to a ghost dimension. Yeah. I mean,
0: Velma has the whole gear that she brings with her, you know, in the in the
1: van. Uh, where I she's... don't think that that's what chemical engineers do. I don't think they open portals to ghost realms. Just gonna just gonna point that out there. No, it's no, no. A... She's not. O- she's not opening a portal.
0: She is. She gets tricked into developing a special serum to power the portal that Kumail uh, has been uh, working on for mm. s- quite
2: some time now. It's it's part of his overall big plan. Yeah. I like how we both have the same thing where like the guy you think that is the allies.
1: That's just a classic. Yeah, it sure. is. I'm glad it, that yeah. y'all that y'all both had that.
0: We, uh, we got to have your ruling cause you got to go see uh, apocalypse
1: now. So we got to wrap it up. <sighs> All right. Well, this one is tough for me because I, I'm, I'm pretty split on my opinion for this one. So I'm just kind of going to break it down in the categories, the cast. I think I'm going to give the edge to drew here for oh, the cast. Okay. Um, Just because I like the mix of knowns with unknowns, I feel like Emma Stone and Zac Efron is going to be pricey. You put that on the poster. Yeah, Yeah, that's, that's the head poster. But you are missing on shaggy and scooby which are the two or at least not missing i love both of those guys but those aren't notable names that bring you out to the theater as yeah mike hanford i like the idea of giving somebody a shot then but then you um, walk
2: away from the movie you're like, and you're that like guy's this just guy's a star shaggy, and then the rest of his career is fucked <laughs>
1: <laughs> however the director i to be honest a lot of the scooby-doo movies have this very light, whimsical feeling, and I would like to see Tyka's take Mm. on a Scooby-Doo story. (sighs) Which kind of leads me into the final (laughs) pitch here. Now, where I think Drew has the advantage is that pitching a PG Scooby-Doo movie is more fun, and I feel like it's easier to get made. More money, maybe. Maybe make a little bit more money. However, I didn't tell you guys. I'm actually A24 here. Ooh. Yeah. This is A24 is going on their first big break. I'm Getting neon into the features IP right business. now. <laughs> <laughs> and I would just be more interested in seeing Ernest's version of a dark, a darker version of the Scooby-Doo franchise. So I'm going to go with Ernest here. for the right. I, I like both of these. I really, I would see the both of these movies. Wild. I just, what gave me the edge is that as much, I love, I, did, I do love the Scooby-Doo movies, but we have kind of seen this version. You're pitching a better version of the live action movies that we've seen before, which I like. I want one that's, yeah, actually good. <laughs> I, like, I, I like that idea, but I like going somewhere completely different. And also at this point, I don't think that kids have nostalgia for Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo isn't something that just, like, eight-year-olds watch on TV. That's something our generation the generation above us have. They still show it. They, they still, still make show new it. episodes. Yeah, but I don't think that, like, kids care about, like, the 2019 new episodes of <laughs> Scooby-Doo <laughs> like they did with our generation or the generation before us. So I feel like it's good to kind of... The, the live action was a little bit of a grown-up version of the classic Scooby-Doo where it got a little bit harder. But I do want to see... I, it would have to be PG thirteen. You couldn't go full R. Okay. If you go full R, then that's just not going to make do any money. Do you accept
2: this parameter, Ernest? PG 13. I could work with it. I could work
0: with it. I can I make it happen. Maybe you can we throw won't...
1: one fuck in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a fucking ghost portal. Ruby Ruby fucking do. <laughs> yeah. I just want to see Lakeith Stanfield and Paul Dano's yeah. trippy scenes together I, where they I, like do ayahuasca and I fucking just... <laughs> talk to each other.
0: I want Phoebe Waller Bridge to look in the camera and be like, fuck me
2: in the ass.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <See>?
2: <laughs> That's fun. I will say. I I did know that casting like a more straightforward Scooby Doo was ultimately riskier for the purposes of this, even if it's less risky for getting a movie made, just because it limits like it severely limits. the I mean, cast, if to know? be
1: honest, if I was a true blue movie producer, I would probably pick yours yeah. over mine. But being as a uh, a creator of content like I am, um, I like to pick no for I, something no more. like I respect the choice
2: because you had a great pitch, but uh, but fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but Hunter I, removed his his fake head. I'm like this is what you remove. get for
1: fucking beating me during the last big you fought Mike. No, I would have gotten away with it, with it too.
2: Like I had a whole version that was just like that and then I was like, "Well, we still haven't had the one that is for everyone that's good." Right. You know, so I wanted I stand on I my I
1: like the first live action. I will I will, I will I will I'll walk the plank.
2: It. I will go down with the ship. <laughs> I'll put up uh, there will be no white you flag. You don't, you don't need an executive for
0: this. Just just go and just make it. Man. Just self-fund it.
1: Just <laughs> Take out a few credit cards to get eighty mil. <laughs> call up Emma Stone and be like, yes, I got this idea." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Little did you know,
0: Emma and Zach, this is their dream project that they've been trying to yeah. make. They're shipped. Yeah, they're
2: together. I
1: do love the idea of seeing Fred as a reality star. Yeah, that, like he's like a bachelor. Yeah, because they kind show. of like.
2: I feel like James Gunn was like onto something, but he just didn't quite get there mm-hmm. with the 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 live actions where it's like Fred call them up, dude. Fred is kind of a smarmy dick, and he's kind of feeling like the, all the attention, mm-hmm. but like. That's
1: what i i mean i do like i like your cast more even though i like i like it as a whole Ernest cast more i like the individual pieces like a zach efron yeah or i i i don't know i do love phoebe waller bridge let
2: me let me run some younger younger ones that i had chosen by you my my daphne was going to be what's her name from halt and catch fire and uh what's her name yeah the, the daughter yeah the catherine newton um how do we feel about joe keery as shaggy could he do it i don't know I don't know. He could do it. I think oh, he could do it. Because ultimately, I went with an older cast. Because I like, I started with my cast, and I was like, "All right, the older just works better." I have to go with an older story because I couldn't pick a Shaggy. Like, I don't like uh, most young actors. Like, I'm. You, this is no.
0: Oh, up. Joe Keery is uh, Stranger Things guy. Yes, yeah, Steve yeah from he'd Strang- be great
2: because he has yeah. the mop, and yeah. I like him. But could he be Shaggy? I don't really know. Of course. Um, he's a great actor. He, yeah, actually. he was shortlisted like for that him. definitely. Chalamet is Shaggy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Army Hammer Whoa. is Fred.
2: Ew. <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely. That makes sense. as like a guy who thinks yeah. he's A-list, but he's really B-list. Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> All right, Army. we,
0: we got to wrap it up because Hunter has to go see uh, Apocalypse Now, the final cut, which we will talk about next week on the show. So stick around for that. Thanks for listening. You can send us more suggestions for Recast at uh, Twitter at Mic or uh, Mic at gmail.com.
2: Yeah. I really love these. Recasts. Oh, it's so yeah. fun. Yeah. They're really fun. So
0: fun. Yeah, so... Uh, let us know what you thought. Let us know your picks. If you have any yeah. ideas for what would be good for yeah. uh, either Scooby Doo or maybe something else that that you'd like to hear yeah, that we should
2: do, because ultimately podcasts are pointless unless somebody wins. Right? The pod, yes. Yeah, it's, it's a I've never felt a rush. That's why I sat I this won. one out.
1: Is that I just win every week on the pod? So like I just <laughs> yeah. need to give one of you guys, regardless a chance. of competition, so, yeah.
0: you're winning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening. Uh, follow us all on Twitter and Letterbox. All those links are below. Um, Thanks for listening. We have some great, other great stuff coming at you, like the retcon episode. Make sure you listen to catch up, uh, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, leave us a review. iTunes, wherever you listen. If you
1: think I got it wrong, let us know.
0: Yeah, if you have a different ruling based on the, Harvey, the pitch. Harvey, if you
1: want to weigh in on oh this. Oh, boy. Christoph right. Waltz. We got to go.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening. We love you. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.
2: Scooby-dooby-doo. Scooby-dooby-doo. Where are you?
0: We
1: got some work to do now. Scooby-dooby-doo, where are you? We need some help from you now. Come on, Scooby-doo, I see you pretending we
0: got